What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam. It's football season, Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, the wacky-ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Oh, Graham, it's going going pretty well. It's uh, it's officially hate week. Hate week, yeah, playing the Saints this week. Starting off with the number one rival that we have, I yeah. would say. Yeah, Which, is, you know, I'd prefer to take the Saints over... Tom Brady and the Bucks, or something like that. The good news is, uh, yeah, we only we well, of course, we played them twice this year, but the last game of the season is against Tampa Bay, so we might have a chance to win because I'm sure we'll be resting Ooh. all their players for uh, for the playoffs for a deep playoff run, right? Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited. It seems like it seems like baseball season being in like it's almost October time, right? That's really snuck up on me. Yeah. So obviously, if that's snuck up on me, football being back. Has 100% snuck up on mm-hmm. me. Um, so it was kind of cool to see Mercedes-Benz back in action this past weekend. A couple big college football games being played in Atlanta. A lot of action in Atlanta this past weekend. That combined with Dragon Con. Dragon Con. City's popping again, Graham. City's popping. And uh, we'll, we'll compare those games to, you know, I, I hear ticket prices are actually kind of high. For the Falcons? For, yeah. Yeah. According to uh, correspondent Alexa, they were like 100 50 bucks to sit in the nosebleeds or something. Woof. Something insane like that, like over 100 bucks. I was like, yeah. One o'clock game. One o'clock game yeah. on a Sunday. It was just kind of crazy. I mean, of course, you know, the PSLs, everything's screwed up and people are trying to resell their tickets as, you know, at a high price as they can. So, I mean, I can't knock anybody for trying to do that, I guess. But they're trying to get some desperate Saints fan to, to buy their tickets, what they're doing. Which I'm sure will happen. Right. And then any sort of apathetic Falcons fans going to be like, yeah, too much. Week one, though, I think people are – there's a little bit of buzz. There's a little bit of hope. Yeah. There's a little bit of hope. The Falcons did finish with a positive uh, preseason win-loss record for the first time and God knows when. I can't remember the last time it was. It had to be sometime way, way long ago, probably in the Mike Smith era would be my guess. I tried to look it up, but I can't, I can't find it online What the when the last time was. The Falcons had a uh, – Good or winning preseason, good record, a good <laughs> winning preseason record. If you know the answer, please email us at www.idontgiveashit.com and uh, we'll gladly share the credit with you. Yeah, I, I don't think it's one that matters too much, but you know, it, it is somewhat exciting. Maybe that's why those ticket prices are up a little bit, but it's also you got to think like you should hope that you have a winning season this year compared to years past and years past, like Matt Ryan plays one series the entire preseason whereas this year you're kind of trying to give both quarterbacks a little more run yeah so we're probably playing a higher tier quarterback than a lot of the teams we were playing were yeah we certainly did not see trevor lawrence playing in that last game against the jags no no we did not and desmond ritter i mean he's gonna start off as the backup as we all know uh mariota's the starter we knew that going into the last preseason game but he's held his own he's looked good i mean granted Preseason, granted, Lions and Jaguars. I can't remember who the second team was that we played. Jets. Jets, right? So it's like all trash, 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 trash defenses. But he didn't look overwhelmed. Even like when he made mistakes, it wasn't like, oh, God, what the hell is he doing? It was like, okay, this is just part of the natural. You saw enough from him that you can't sit here and say he's going to be like a viable NFL quarterback, but you also can't sit here and say what a disaster, you know, to begin the preseason. Like he's got nothing. Like, you know, when you, you saw Felipe Franks last year play, he had nothing at quarterback. There was nothing about him where you're like, that guy can maybe do something if Matt Ryan gets hurt. It's clearly a different tier of prospect. And yeah. The great thing to see from that 
Jaguars preseason game was that like after Ritter started off with that interception on like the very first throw of the game, you see Coach Smith on the sidelines screaming at him because Coach Smith has said, I'm going to treat you like a veteran because that's the way he acts. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so he's going to yell at him. Yeah. And um, then he comes back and goes like four for four on the next drive, leads them to a touchdown. Yeah. So, like you love to see that after a mistake, he's not pouting about it. Right. He's just like, he's in okay, his head. let's, let's learn from it. Move on. I've been here before. Yeah. No, it's, it shows some, some maturity um, from Desmond Ritter. It's encouraging because you know, eventually he's going to get a shot. It feels inevitable at this point that you know what kind of quarterback Marcus Mariota is. He's not going to be your long-term franchise quarterback. You know Ritter at some point will get a chance to play significant snaps this year. And also Mariota has a history of being injured quite frequently during the season. So I, I fully expect – I remember the last time he was like an actual starter in the league. I think it's been at least two or three years. So cause he was backing up, I think, Derek Carr last year in Oakland. So point being, Ritter's going to get a shot. So I think we just patiently wait for that. Hopefully the offensive line isn't as god-awful as it was last year, even though many of the same cast of characters are returning. Um, but So I, I just hope for his sake that when he does get a chance that we have our shit figured out enough to the point where he's not going to get massacred out there. Yeah, Mariota has a long history of not sliding or getting out of bounds, so uh, yeah. hence the constantly being injured piece. But I, I, I'm excited to see what Mariota can bring to the table. Like He didn't technically lose his job in Tennessee – Tannehill kind of took it because yeah. he was out injured for a couple weeks. And right. it's like, oh, this guy's got something figured and out. Then Tannehill and, just really transformed his game over there. Yeah. And I, oh. I know he had a couple moments with Oakland when he would get in the game. He, he was like, okay, this guy's an NFL quarterback. Yeah, he's not. He's, like, he's a number two overall pick for a reason. Like, right. he had a hell of a college career. Like, it's in there. And the athleticism is exciting. And, um, yeah, he's not like dog shit. It's not like you're getting, um, Coy Detmer or something, you know, where it's just like, oh, God. Yeah. You know. No, it's not. It's not going back to the Joey Harrington era. Or Joey, Joey like Harrington that. was the number one overall draft pick, Adam. Well, sure, surely something was there. But that was at the end of his career. Was it? Yes. He, he played in Detroit for like nine years. You probably watched him nine straight Thanksgivings. Probably. I just yeah. don't remember. All yeah. the Lions Thanksgiving games just, just run together in my head at this point. No, he was with Detroit for a while and then like. He had his little stop with us, and that was his career. Yeah. I vividly remember that. Yeah, I remember. I forget all the glory days, but I remember. I remember <laughs> you remember, I remember the bullshit. The yeah. <laughs> I remember going to watch a season opener with KG in uh, downtown Clemson, getting some chicken wings, and it was a Monday night game. I think we had like four or five Monday night games that year. Oh, yeah, because we, you know, we're coming off of like Mike Vick and everything. Yeah. Everyone wants to see Mike Vick, that Mike Vick gets arrested. Now right. It's the Joey Harrington yeah. show. Yeah, so that's that's tough. That's, I think that's a good example of why they're allowed to flex those games around a little bit more than they used to be able yeah, to. Yeah, no one wants to see that. So, um, welcome ESPN. Let's talk about our different positions, Adam. Uh, let's start with the defensive line since we were talking about that a little bit in our pre-show planning. Uh, very new process to Atlanta Zone. <laughs> yeah, we both had the tabs going and everything. I got like seven tabs open right now, man. I got four. That's crazy. So let's talk about the defensive line specifically. So you're, we run a three-four scheme, and so uh, so the guys who are starting on the defensive line is of course Grady Jarrett, you got Anthony Rush, Taquan Graham. So those are, your, those are your three defensive linemen, and then your edge rusher, starting edge rusher is going to be Agunda Jay. 
Um, all these guys, I don't, th- I can't remember if Rush or or Grant, one of those guys was on the team last year. Yeah, Graham was Graham a, was on the team last Graham year. Graham was a, a rookie fifth round pick out yeah. of Texas. Yeah. So this is an Arthur Smith pick. Yeah, and Anthony Rush was on Seattle and 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 uh, Philly, and he was also on the team last year as well. So I want to just relay some kind of disturbing information to you, Adam. All three of these guys have combined. So not counting Gray Jarrett, the other three people on the defensive line have combined for one and a half sacks in their careers. Okay, uh, Rush is like a he's there for for the run. You know, he's not I a understand. pass rusher. I know. I know not everybody's like Grady. Grady's, yeah. Grady's not there to do uh, you know the pass rushing really either. But you can, you can expect him to get the quarterback five six times a year. I'm just saying, or more. He's, uh, I understand he, you're trying to have a hot take, but it's like Graham is a second-year player who did not play until the end of last year. Yeah, but this is who you're asking to be. And your your, your is a rookie, right? But he's so he's not on the you know he's not a starter. I'm just talking about your starters. Sure, these these are these are the guys, right? So it's just kind of like looking at just purely the stats and what we've seen from them, and that doesn't instill you a lot of confidence that we're going to get a lot of pressure on the quarterback. Uh, just given who these guys are right now. That's not to say they can't transform and get better. They're all relatively young. Rush, you know, debuted in 2019. You know, to rookie season was last year. So it's like, it's not to say they're finished products by any stretch of the imagination. That's just a lot of ex- inexperience to have on your defensive line, right, to start the season, which leads to concern uh, not only against uh, the run, but particularly the pass. Sure, but I mean, you're going to also have those linebackers blitzing a lot more in this scheme. You got Lorenzo Carter; he's got 14 and a half career sacks, so he's a big veteran. Yeah, it's not like these guys in. are the only people that are going to yeah. be rushing the quarterback. Um, but they're going to be doing it every play. They're either going to be trying to stop the run or or rush the uh, rush the quarterback. So it's just it just exposes this is where the Falcons are right now, and we just you know growing pains are going to happen. But I would hope you know the Falcons. Not really with defensive linemen, but with linebackers at least have. There's kind of like a little bit of a history of linebackers getting good, you know, coming out of nowhere. Uh, Foyer comes to mind, especially who's now in Jacksonville. Now we're definitely going to miss him. Um, you know, Deion Jones really exploded onto the scene. Um, you know, we expect him to be good, but it was also like, okay, he arrived a lot. Like he was an impact superstar that first the first season. And even though this is a new regime and all that bullshit, you hope that hopefully some of that magic can rub off on some of these defensive linemen. Like, it would be really nice if one of them can step up and help Grady Jarrett out. I feel Grady Jarrett's the new John Abraham. He's the only guy on the defensive line that can do anything. He gets, like, double or triple teamed, like, every play. And it doesn't matter. They're still able to protect their quarterback and everything's good. I remember, like, there's this there's clip last year of uh, – I can't remember if it was Grady, but he was, he was going to – I can't remember which team – but literally three people blocked him on this play. And he's like, damn, it takes three of y'all to stop me? Yeah. Really? And then, like, of course, they had a good play. But it was like he was mic'd up and everything. And it's just like I just feel I feel for Grady. But I also appreciate Grady for sticking around and not demanding a trade and being and being loyal to the uh, to the Falcons because we, we all love Grady Jarrett. Yeah, I mean, the, the coaching staff is really high on Taquan Graham. Yeah. So maybe you hope that – he is the guy that can kind of step in next to Grady and take some of that pressure off of him. Yeah, and a lot of these guys didn't, you know, like Graham played in 13 games last year. You know, it's like, but he wasn't really 
starting as much. Like a lot of these guys weren't starting. Like a Gundajay started some games. We didn't. They're not full time starters. They still have a lot of you know time to. Or they haven't had a lot of time to really prove themselves yet. Who did we have last year? Was like some veteran D end. Um, oh, the guy that kept getting at, injured at the end of his career. Who we got from the Rams? Who we thought was going to be you know a? Uh, I think this was a wasn't this a Dimitrov move? Yeah, it was like one of his. The last, it was like a free agent he signed. Yeah, I can't remember. He played alongside Aaron Donald, and he was just awful. It's sad that we don't remember. Who. It was a first-round pick. I'm sure some people listening to this are going crazy. Yeah, they're like, Hearing God, us once again. Not know who someone struggle is. Struggle to come up with a day. It's hard when, you know, your football team just sucks every year. You just get so apathetic. I wish I could remember his name. He's a junior, all right? <laughs> He's a junior. Uh, the name is... I see him. I see him being hurt. I see him missing tackles. That happened a bunch of times with him. I want to call him Ray Edwards, but I know that's wrong. You're way off. I know I'm way off, way off in terms of the years. What is uh, Dante Fowler Jr. There you go. Great. Good work. He was a junior. Good work. Yeah, Dante Fowler Jr. was awful. I remember he took less money last year because he was injured in the – in the 2020 season. Oh, that's even sadder. We had him for two years. Yeah, and- yeah he, was la- he was like the last big Dimitrov free agent. And I remember we were talking about oh it on, my the, God. on this very era being like, this is it, man. If we can get going, someone's going to help Grady Jarrett. Can this guy do it? He did it with Aaron Donald. You know, uh, Grady may not be as good as Aaron Donald, but he's pretty damn close. Top five defensive lineman. Like, why can't this guy, why can't he you know, do what he did over there? And of course, it's not just one guy. I mean, the Rams defensive line has been formidable for years and the health issues the bad scheme of Dan Quinn, all of the above, and then last year he couldn't stay healthy either. At four and a half sacks last year. Four and a half sacks, and I think he led the team. We had 18 sacks last year as a team, Adam. Worst in the league. Guess where Dante Fowler is now? Uh, retired. No. Uh, Tampa Bay. He's where all ex-Falcons go. Jaguars. The Cowboys. Oh, the Cowboys. And Dan Quinn. He's with, uh, I'm sure he'll have like 12 sacks this season. Oh, yeah. With Dan Quinn finally adjusting to the NFL. Who else is over there? Um, Keanu Neal. A couple other of our, our players are over there. They just signed um, one of the players who got cut, your boy, Quadri Allison. Oh, they signed Quad. Yeah, I yeah. saw Quadri get cut. He, and he, up. he wasn't really getting used that much in the uh, after he had that burst that first game well, uh, when he was playing against the Lions. Yeah, I mean, you look, you look at the depth chart at running back. We're just going to kind of bop around to sure. whatever. Yeah interests us um obviously you got patterson you got damian williams mm-hmm. who's getting all the first team reps yeah you got Algier. then you've got avery williams our kickoff specialist who was a cornerback recently and they converted him to running back so there w- really wasn't room for allison to get no. any p- real playing time because like you know how often do you go past your third running back yeah you knew once Corderell was re-signed and when uh, Tyler Algier was drafted. The chances of Allison making the team were slim. It's too bad because I mean he really he came in a lot slimmer this year. He's finally this was the guy that didn't know how to run. Yeah, a couple years ago, but now he knows how to run. He had multi, I, I I remember like two really good runs he had in that Lions game uh, first preseason game. I was like, oh, shit, Quadri, okay, I see you. Yeah, and then he didn't really get many many reps after that, and you know whatever. I'll trust the. I didn't think he was going to be like a star back or anything, but it was nice to see him make progression from being like a short yardage guy who couldn't like get a yard to, I mean, you're bursting 
along down the sidelines or finding a gap. Like you could just tell, like he was figuring things. It felt like he was figuring things out. A little bit of a shame that he didn't get a chance, but you know what? When you make all his draft picks and whatever, and he had what three years to sort of make his mark, and he didn't do it. So. Yeah, and he—who knows? He might have asked to be, like maybe he knew Coach Bro would pick him up or something like that. Sure, because they're all friends, right? They're friends first, coach later. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Coach second. Um, but then we also have Caleb Huntley was signed to the practice squad, so he's a guy that we've seen in the preseason kind of pop a little bit against mm-hmm. all these second and third stringers. So yeah. he's a guy, if there is an injury, you can bring him up to the active roster. Right. And yeah, I, li- I like the running back room. I really am interested in, in Algier, honestly, because um, we, we talked about it already quite a bit. But he made that big block in the Lions game. We've seen him catch balls out of the backfield. We've seen him have some decent runs. Um, we know about he scored 23 touchdowns last year at BYU. Even though he was at BYU, it's still it's 23 touchdowns in a college football season. Um, that's like over a touchdown a game if you average it out. So it's like I want to see him uh, get some run this year. And you know what Patterson's going to be used as a receiver. He's not going to be your every down back, even though I know he's number one on the death chart. So I, I'm keeping my eye on uh, Tyler Algier this year. He's he shown me the most in terms of – being the most well-rounded back that isn't Corderell Patterson that we have, in my opinion, through the preseason. Where do you want to go next on the official depth chart? Uh, let's talk about our favorite thing, uh, the offensive line. Yes. A couple different names there this year, Graham. Yeah, we have three you know, three uh, returning cast members, Jake Matthews, Chris Lindstrom, Caleb McGarry. We know Lindstrom and Matthews are only players worth a shit out of that list. Um, of folks, unfortunately. I hope Caleb McGarry gets his stuff together, but I've seen too much of him at this point to, to feel like that it's going to change. Um, so I, I have no no faith in him at all. And then we have newcomers Elijah Wilkinson and Drew Dahlman, who we drafted last year, sort of rotated with Hennessy at center, is the official center this year, which I think is good because Hennessy was dog shit last year. Yeah, that was so. the last, like, Really, the only like huge camp battle where yeah. it could have gone either way in a starting position was on the line, and they just released that uh, as of today, Tuesday, that Dalman won that battle, and he'll at least start the season as the starting center. Yeah, so we'll see what he can do. And um, that was just the thing that really was frustrating last year, watching when Hennessy was on the field in particular. It was just the middle just got blown up, man. The middle, uh, you know, center. And left guard were c- consistently just being obliterated. And Matt Ryan had zero time to get the ball out. I remember the last game of the year I went and saw against the Saints. There was a play on fourth down where we had to go for it. Game was still kind of in reach. It was the second half. And Matt Ryan gets the snap. He, he takes two steps backwards, and there's already two Saints right in front of him and he has to throw it but like deflects off one of the Saints players he just had no time and it was from those two positions it was from center and it was from left guard and it was like holy shit well yeah I mean this is horrible keep in mind last year was too just the Jalen Mayfield fiasco to where you know he wasn't he wasn't supposed to play last year I feel I feel like he's kind of gotten a bum rap obviously because he was terrible but it's like also third round pick though I mean Right, you expect but, more. You don't expect to be a revolving door as a third round pick. Sure, sure, but he he was gonna sit for an entire year, and then injuries happen, right. and he's in. So hopefully, Elijah Wilkinson. He's a fourth year player, another ex Bear. I'm not gonna pretend I know much about him at all, besides the fact that he's 
know, at least somewhat of a veteran and has started other places sure. before, played for the Broncos as well. So hopefully that'll, you know, hopefully clean up the left side of the line a little bit. Yeah, yeah, hopefully there's an upgrade. I think anybody's an upgrade over Jalen Mayfield, and he's on injured reserve to but, start the season. But he did, like, make the team. I think a lot of people were kind of thinking that there was a real possibility he would get cut and just, like, move on. Like, look, this kid doesn't have it. Yeah. Uh, it was a mistake on our end. Yeah. So there were probably more deserving p- players that got cut over Mayfield keeping his roster spot. But, you know, there's always going to be that bias towards your own draft picks. Was he drafted, though, by – Yeah. Uh, he was He was a uh, – he, he was a true rookie last year. He was a true rookie last year. So he's, he's a part of the Arthur Smith regime. Correct. Well – yeah. Okay. I mean, you're not gonna hit on the mall, Graham. You're not gonna hit on all, hit on the mall, but it's also one of those things where it's like, it just kind of goes back to once again, like it felt like a Thomas Dimitrov pick, like that's how much I disliked Jalen Mayfield's play last year. So it felt like a classic. Like you think about it, in Thomas Dimitrov's entire career. Tell me, like, two, the two, the only two good offensive linemen he really drafted that has made an impact here to me. Or the people that are on the roster, Lindstrom and Matthews. Everyone else, horrible. Same thing with defensive line. Only guy worth a shit is Grady Jarrett. In, like, what, 12 years? It's just unreal. He had some back in the day that were decent. I, I can't. Like, pull. Sam Baker was okay initially, but it didn't, like, pan out. It just feels like he missed Blaylock, so much more than he Justin hit. Blaylock? It's okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he had more hits on the offensive line than defensive line, but... Once again, it was just, you know, you think about um, who's that horrible guy, Peter Kahn's, who's supposed to who forced Justin McClure to, re- to retire. It was like Todd McClure. Todd McClure. Justin McClure. Todd McClure to retire. It was just like, good God, man. I don't know. It was just. Uh, yeah, so many started misses. going downhill. That's, so many misses. That's a t- I mean, that's just one of those names that makes you cringe. Second round pick. Yeah, I mean, you can't. Like, you're right. Mayfield being a third round pick, like. You don't want to miss in the third round. No, for Font, no, that that this could be a big miss because like you can find some skill players that are like pretty sure deals in the third yeah. round. So to miss on an offensive lineman, it, it, it hurts. It hurts but, a lot. You know, maybe he'll turn it around. Yeah, it's not like he's a finished product and uh, on the field at all. It's just we haven't seen anything really to warrant us being like, oh god, I can't wait for Jalen Mayfield to come back from his injury. Right. Uh, so far, but. Yeah, I'm really interested to see how Dalman does. I think he's the, the the linchpin to this thing. Is can we have commanding center play for the first time in like a decade? That would be really or not a decade. Sorry, God, I'm forgetting the great center that we had from Cleveland, Alex Mack. Alex Mack, who was wonderful, <laughs> draft pick wise, I should say. Sure. And over a decade, um, it would be nice if we could if we could do that. Yeah, I do miss Alex Mack. Great player. Um, Let's talk about receivers, Adam. Drake London is your uh, number one of your number one receivers. Uh, Zacchaeus, Brian Edwards, and uh, Cardrell Hodge, Demir Bird, and your boy Jared Bernhardt made the team, Adam. Yep. So pretty exciting. I like this receiving core. Um, so improved over last year. I would agree. I think Brian Edwards adds a lot. Um, I like that he's an Oakland guy, so he knows what Mariota is about. Um, he's a solid, solid player. He's not going to really turn a lot of heads, but he's, he's not, um, you know, he's not going to be dog shit either. I don't think like he, he's had a very solid NFL career. Drake London obviously has all the hype around him. We hope he's able to play this week. Uh, apparently making good progress to play against the saints. He hasn't played since the lions game. 
we, we all, I think, like Olamide Zacchaeus quite a bit. Very scrappy dude. Has the ability to have a big game. Hasn't really been consistent throughout his career, but he's he's a gamer. Solid receiver. Little guy has a lot of heart. Um, so, yeah, I don't really know a ton about Carterell Hodge or um, Demir Bird. I know Bird was on the team last year, but I love that Bernhardt made the team. I think he's going to get uh, an opportunity to get some playing time, maybe not immediately in the season, but as the season goes along. He 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 was he had a fantastic preseason. Yeah, B- Bird. He's a kind of like a speed demon, so he's yeah. he's a guy that you can bring in and kind of just take it over the top, a la Taylor Gabriel back in the day. Right. Um, yeah, Bernard. Though, I mean, we'll see. I hope he gets some playing time, man, because he looks. I mean, he looks like the real deal. He there were multiple other guys that have been veteran wide receivers that like this guy beat out. You mm-hmm. know, uh, like Geronimo Allison. Alden Tate for the Bengals that right. I was all excited about. I was surprised that he a couple didn't. months ago. Yeah, and uh, you know this undrafted kid who's played football for one year comes in and takes the job. So yeah, good for him. It's a pretty pretty cool story between him and uh, the cornerback D. Alford. It's just like two undrafted yeah. guys that no one expected to make the team. Yeah, and- they've been so much fun to watch. Made impact plays, big interceptions from Alford and pass deflections and Bernhardt. You know, big catches and that huge touchdown against the Lions in the first game. We literally had a cornerback draped all over him. He still somehow, even being undersized, makes the catch. Um, very impressive. So I guess cases like that do kind of prove that, you know, the Arthur Smith isn't all talk like Coach Bro was when it comes to, you know, him saying that everybody needs to compete for a job. Like, it's not going to get handed to anyone. Yeah. So you, you look at Deion Jones, who, you know, his contract thing, that's a whole other story. But, like, he's going to be a special teamer to start the season. He's on the roster. Well, he's on injured reserve right now. So he's not going to play for the first four games. Okay. So we'll see what happens when he actually gets off injured reserve. But I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. The, the the attitude is different. You know, with Dan Quinn, it was really started, like, the year after the Super Bowl was when it started to be like, you know, everybody show up to camp. We'll have a nice time. It's not really a lot of position battles. Everybody knows what to do. And everybody got soft and complacent. And there was no real energy from the top that wasn't legitimate. It was all platitudes. It was all, let's wear a t-shirt that says, embrace the suck or go climb a mountain or whatever the hell stupid Dan Quinn's uh, sayings were. You know, it's just a bunch of sayings, a bunch of platitudes. It's all bullshit. Arthur Smith comes in, sets the tone, and I think you have to have that kind of attitude with a team like this, with a young team, a rebuilding team. You have to come in and kick some ass. You got to have like a military mindset. You got to establish and ingrain a backbone in all these young, young players. This is a young roster. Like, really, outside of like Matthews, Lindstrom, and um, Mariota, and, and Grady. Casey Hayward and Casey Hayward, but that's some, that's it. You, you look you look up and down the rosters. A lot of first year, second year, third year guys, fourth year guys, maybe like, which is what you want to see in a rebuild. Yes, so know? it's like establish an identity and don't let that identity go. Like I'm really interested to see if Arthur Smith can turn this around if he continues to have that mindset because Dan Quinn initially seemed to me to have that kick ass mindset and then he lost it. He thought he still did, but he lost his team somewhere. And I'm really hoping Arthur Smith Arthur Arthur Smith is going to have a lot of time to establish identity. It's not going to happen overnight, and it's not even established now, but you can see the foundation being built with this roster, and you saw how they fought for him last year. Winning seven games with a shitty-ass roster was really great. 
to see. So it's like, keep it up, man. I, I got I got faith in, in, in Arthur Smith right now in terms of what he's doing. I, I still don't expect the Falcons to be very good this year, but I expect them to compete and to not give up. He's shown enough for me to, to, to give him that credit. I believe we went like seven and one in one possession games last Something year. Something like that. Which yeah. is just like the complete opposite of the last year, last couple of years of Dan Quinn. Yeah. So that that's, that shows that these guys are fighting for him. And uh, it's only going to build more as he, as they bring in their own people. Right. Uh, let's talk about the most important position on the field, Adam. Fullback. Keith Smith returns. And it's the only fullback on the roster. I love that we still use fullbacks. Fullbacks, I think, just give you a little bit of a different dimension. Extra blocker. Sometimes shoot out there in the flat. Keith Smith has been solid. Since he's been here, so I'm glad he's still still on the team. We don't have to really dwell too long on that. Um, tight end, Kyle Pitts, of course. Parker Hesse is your backup. And beating out your boy Ferkser, who you were talking about all day when we were watching the Jacksonville preseason game. Felipe Franks, the former second-string, third-string quarterback from last year, converts to tight end, kicks ass in camp, makes the team. I mean... It's really Parker Hesse that beat out Ferkser. Ferkser is on the practice squad. I believe we will see him. But Felipe Franks is there because he's also your third-string quarterback, and you have two mobile quarterbacks. You don't think he's going to get any reps as a tight end this year? I I don't know, man. It didn't exactly play in-game. No, like it, it did in practice. But, I mean, it, it's an experiment is what it is. I think he and, needs more time, honestly. I don't think you're just going to have a, a – a, um, you know, one training camp, and then you're like, all right, I'm, I'm ready to be a tight end I'm, all the time now. It's, it's like moving Avery Williams to running back. Right. So, like, to, so you can have an extra cornerback spot. Like, it, to a degree, it's, it's but not it's, often you use a third string tight end, and you don't want to waste a, a roster spot on just a third string quarterback either. Right. You're, you're, so it's having, kind of knocking out both. Sure. But you have, you have some multi, uh, faceted, uh, multifaceted player there in both respects. But I think it's cool that he's been able to do that and embrace that new role. And I, I hope he is able to contribute in some way this year. But if he contributes in some way, that means Kyle, Kyle Pitts got hurt, which would be bad, um, or Hesse. So who knows what's going to happen there, but you're probably looking at the subtext more than I am. I, I just see that, and I get excited. because I read all these stories about Franks yeah. being like, I'm embracing this change. I didn't make it as a quarterback. I'm still not going to give up being a quarterback, but I'm focused on being a tight end. Whatever I can do to make the team, man, like, screw it. And he did it. So hats off to him. Like I said, don't expect too much from him, but no, it's still I, cool to see. Hopefully he's not one we see too often. Um, Kyle Pitts, of course, we're expecting another monster year a, from him. A big jump for him, especially now that he's got, like, some actual weapons around him where it was kind yeah. of just defenses could 100% zero in on him. Right. And uh, maybe we'll actually see him line up as a tight end a little more than he did last year. Yeah. And uh, take advantage of those mismatches with linebackers. I still want to see him still used around the field, sure. though. You know? But I agree. Having him line up as a tight end more would be would be helpful. Um, And, yeah, see what kind of – you know, because he didn't really play that much in the preseason. So to see what kind of uh, chemistry he's formed with, with Mariota will be interesting. As we watch, but we we know what a what a beast this guy is. So he, he proved himself last year. Uh, linebackers: Michael Walker, Rashawn Evans, Lorenzo Carter. You're starting uh, linebackers. Um, it is what it is. I'm not going to get too excited about that. I think we're really going to miss Foyer this year a lot, and his absence is going to be felt. I really feel like the defensive line. 
and and linebacking core is is one of the the biggest weak points on this team right now. I don't know, man. I'm expecting. I mean, Michael Walker. He's really been coming into his own. Yeah. Like I, I don't I don't think you or I know enough about Rashawn Ev- Evans or Lorenzo Carter. No. But they're they're like two veterans, and then of course we got the rookie Troy Anderson who. He's not going to be ready yet, but like obviously got to keep your eye on. Yeah, I haven't see seen too does. much of – didn't really see too much of him in the preseason, like make any plays that really stood out. Like I saw more of that from Malone. Malone was out there making tackles. Um, you know, he's second string on the outside – one of the other outside linebacking positions behind Carter. So, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll, we'll see what happens. I just – yeah, Michael Walker is going to have to really step up this year for sure. And um, he's going to have to be kind of like – captain of the defense i think i think this is the guy that is going to lead your linebacking core moving forward i would say but but then graham you look at this secondary though and that's that's a real strength secondary is looks that's impressive is good aj terrell who i know is one of the best quarterbacks in the league uh richie grant who started to come into his own which is great to see he's the second round pick out of last year that yes didn't really play wasn't ready and now he's Clearly run with it and taking the job. Right, taking the job from Eric Harris. Um, Jalen Hawkins. I think he's a third-year player now. Yeah, solid player. And Casey Hayward Jr., who we got in free agency, I believe, who's a veteran cornerback. It's nice to have two good cornerbacks um, out there so that, you know, of course you don't want to go as a quarterback. You don't want to, like, force the ball in the direction of A.J. Terrell. But it was, uh, you know, it was easy for, for quarterbacks last year to sort of pick apart the secondary. One, because the pass rush sucked, but two, it was like, just avoid A.J. Terrell and you're fine. And you can just pick apart the Falcons' defense. But now, with Hayward and Richie Grant being better, uh, hopefully quarterbacks struggle a little bit to do that as much as they did last season. I still think a lack of a pass rush, until proven different, is still going to hurt the secondary. But the secondary will be better than last year, at least on paper, in terms of what we're getting. It's also good to see you got two like legit veterans behind Grant and Hawkins at safety, and Eric Harris and Dean Marlowe. So, should one of the young guys not be ready, you've got someone that can step in and not just throw in a rookie out there. Right, right. I mean, Eric Harris isn't great, but you know, yeah, it's better than exactly what you just said. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much. And Oliver will will be back. Isaiah Oliver will be back. He's yes. on uh, injured reserve right now, so out for the first four games. So that'll be good for some some. I, I still think like like you know if Terrell or ha- or uh, excuse me Hayward goes down. You're kind of screwed. So, like having like an Isaiah Oliver as your insurance option would be would be nice. Well, then that's where Mr. D. Alford comes into play. D. Alford comes into play. He had a great preseason, but we just don't know. Like, is that going to translate to the regular season? I mean, same thing with with uh, you know he's he's going to be if he comes in, he's going to be thrust in. He's going to have to learn to to swim in the deep end of the pool real fast. Yeah, I mean, Mike Mike Ford is on the depth chart as well. He's got five years of experience as well. So it's you know they're expecting injuries this year and they've got some guys in place that could step in and yeah pinch. i mean you gotta expect injuries when in the nfl for sure so yeah uh we know all about the great young way one of the more accurate kickers in the league who would have thunk it adam when we were uh the official podcast for the atlanta legends for like a, a day before they shut down um <laughs> <laughs> we saw young way that he would be not only take over from uh, money matt bryant but be one of the better kickers in the league I think I thought it, Graham. As soon as I saw, I him, know I was, you I was did. Like, we need to get that guy right now. That's one of the few uh, good takes you've you've had over the years. Oh no, I've I've had I've had a, a number. A number. 
That's what I can think of. That, off that's the top a random of my head. one that came true. Yeah, you're like, that's young way cool, man. I tell you what, boy, here's here's a guy that you gotta just put look at the fuck. Look at the farm. He did the backflip on the internet when he kicked the damn ball through the, the, the goalpost. You gotta get that guy. Athlete. Total athlete. You want your kicker to be an athlete. But let's let's just break down how good he's been since coming to the Falcons. 2019, 23 for 26. 2020, 37 for 39. 2021, 27 for 29. So the most kicks he missed in a season was three in 2019. The other two years, he only missed two. I mean, unreal. Yeah. I mean, he's not going to nail all like your fifty-five yarders, you know. No, but, but he's he, capable. He is—he has only missed one fifty-plus yard field goal in his career, and that was last season. One for one in twenty nineteen, eight for eight in twenty twenty, four for five in twenty twenty-one. He's a great kicker. He's established. This is not some like, oh, he's having a good run and he's going to break down. It's like, no, this guy is really good, and that's why they gave him that like four-year deal or whatever it was. Yeah. So. Gotta love it. You can make the argument that maybe you shouldn't invest that much in a kicker, but having a great kicker, uh, especially when you have kind of a sputtering offense, is is a is a wonderful thing to have. And if you're playing a lot of these one possession games like last year, you know those three points add up quick. Yes, yes. Do you know much? About, I know you're a big punter guy, Adam. Do you much? Do you know much about Bradley Pinion, our, our punter? No, I believe he's a veteran, though. Let's see, eight years. Oh, I should know about him. He's a Clemson guy. Might have went to school when you did. I think I'm a couple years older than him. But uh, let's see here. Uh, with with he's a Super Bowl champion. He was with the Bucks, and the 49ers. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's not say anymore. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll see how he does. I don't really. Yeah, unless you're like a Falcons punter. I don't really know any other punters in the league. I know you used to love the Tennessee Titans punter. I don't know if he's still around, but yeah, like I. I can't sit here and be like, I'm going to analyze punters unless you're, uh, you know, on the Falcons. You've been on the Falcons for a while. As you mentioned, four years in San Francisco, three in Tampa Bay. So, see what happens with that. But that is pretty much your Falcons roster minus some other uh, players like your long snapper and stuff that we really don't have to uh, talk about here. So, there you have it, man. That's your 2022 Falcons roster for better... Or for worse. It's not... Have you seen some of these ridiculous predictions like USA Today has us winning two games? Like, I think that's just a classic case of people maybe not recognizing these names or knowing where they came from and, like, not actually ever watching the team or knowing anything about it. Like, we're not not a two-win team. Well, I mean, I think... That's ridiculous. Well, I'll say this. I will say that most national prognosticators, and Peter King has said this, He's like, I don't know as much about your team as as you do. Right. I'll go in there and look at it and do my best, but I'm not spending as much time. He's like, there are fans out there who can tell me more about uh, a specific football team than I'll ever know, and they'll have a better take on it than I will. And I'll admit that because I got to cover 32 different teams and think about all this stuff, so my time is you know limited. Um, I think looking at any sort of preseason thing that isn't coming directly from someone who is following the Falcons and writing for them is kind of silly. So, yeah, two wins. I mean, yeah, we could really suck this year. There's no doubt about it. But I think, like, I mean, we, we I will say this. We've taken a step back in quarterback, taken a, taken a step forward in the receiving core, step forward at cornerback, uh, the secondary. Linebacker, to me, without Foy, has taken a step back. 
Um, Here's the thing at quarterback, though. You're not going to tell me that Marcus Mariota is better than Matt Ryan. No, I'm not, but I'm going to tell you that Marcus Mariota in this offense is going to open up a lot of possibilities that Matt Ryan could not. Yeah, but he's also... He was just so immobile. He was so... But, yes, but that's... And behind this line. The line is so bad. It's not his... It's not a good so, fit so for having, Matt Ryan. Exactly. But I'm not, But you're going to... But Marcus Mariota has proven over the course of his career to be inconsistent and not a top-level quarterback, top-shelf quarterback. He's going to struggle eventually. Yes, it is going to open up different avenues where he can roll out and you can design more plays for that and play actions and bootlegs and things like that and hopefully finding guys downfield outside of the pocket. This team is not built for a pocket passer. It's just the way it is because of how bad the line's going to be probably. Um, so, yes, it will help to have a more mobile quarterback, but still the overall level of quarterback play I still don't think is going to be great this season because of the line and who's taking the snaps. Not to say Mario's a bad quarterback. He's just not a great quarterback. It's just going to be temper. I would say temper your expectations a little bit. A lot of people would say Matt Ryan wasn't a great quarterback the last couple of years either. He's if we were to look a middle of the league guy at the stats, Matt Ryan has been a much better quarterback than Marcus Mariota over the last three seasons. Well, he's been a backup, so we don't know. Sure, but whatever. Matt Ryan's going to win the Super Bowl this year, and everybody's going to <laughs> be proven wrong who's a Matt Ryan hater. We'll see. I'm not a Matt Ryan hater. I know you're not. I think it was just very much time to move on. Yeah, because of the roster that was built around him. It was just a lose-lose situation because you're paying him all this money and you're building around a quarterback that isn't built for the team because of how you constructed it and you've done a bad job with the offensive line. It was just it was it was it was a perfect storm of shit that sort of brewed over 5, 6, 7 years, unfortunately. Even going back to the Super Bowl season. It was like all downhill from there, even though Matt still had good seasons in there. I mean, you look at the first or second season with Sark and uh, what was it, 2018? He had about as good a year as he did during his MVP season. You look at it, it's almost identical numbers, but the team around him sucked. So it's like defense sucked, offense sucked. You know, you're, you're in a bad situation. Matt Ryan's going to go to the Colts. I will say it. He is going to win at least one playoff game with the Colts this year. Okay, so not a Super Bowl, though. I think he could win the Super Bowl, but I think he is going to win at least one playoff game, and he's going to he's going to have a big he's going to have his biggest season since 2018. Wow! And he's going to prove a lot of people wrong. I think he's going to throw for 30 touchdowns and well over 4,500 yards. I'd love to see it. I yeah. mean, AFC. I don't really care what they do. I don't either. Don't, um, man, I wish we played them this year. That's gonna. I would love in like two years we get to play the Colts and like maybe we're good. I I would think in two years would be better than them. Well, I don't know. I'll have a declining quarterback. We'll we'll just have to wait and see. But that's your so predictions, Adam. What's your prediction? You said you spit on the USA today in their two win prediction. What is your win prediction? I think we win seven games again. Seven games again. Yep. I'll go a little under that. I'll say five. Um, because we have a tough schedule. We play a lot of brutal teams like Los Angeles, Tampa Bay, Arizona. We just play a lot of really good good teams. I that, think we'll, we'll sneak up on some people, though. Like, Arizona's yeah. at the end of the year. They kind of always suck at the end of the year. That's true. Um, you know, with the Browns now. They, the Browns are a mess. The Browns, it will not be Deshaun Watson. It will not be Deshaun Watson. Um, so, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, we play like, you know, there's plenty of teams on the on the schedule that you look at. You're like, okay, that's winnable. Like, you look at Seattle. Seattle's terrible. Cleveland will probably be terrible. Um, Carolina twice. 
the Bears, the Commanders. Bears are bad. Yeah. Um, but then you know, on the flip side, you also play teams like the Rams and Tampa Bay and San Francisco and Cincinnati, and the Chargers are solid. Um, Steelers are solid. You know, they're not going to have Roethlisberger. You got uh, Baltimore um, and the Cardinals. So it's like. It's a little bit of a mixed bag. It's like you're either getting like a really uh, like a good team or you're getting like a trash team to play. So I think I think the Falcons win five games. I think the ceiling is seven. Ceiling is seven. I don't think there's any chance. You say there's no chance of a playoffs playoffs this year. They got like those expanded playoffs, right? Yes. Nine wins get you in potentially. I, th- I think yeah, there's a chance then. There's a chance. I I still think there's. I think the Falcons are at least another two seasons away from being a serious playoff team like not just making the playoffs somehow but actually like winning and being a super bowl threat yeah but i i feel like hopefully we're going in the right direction but i think one of the biggest things that will happen over the course of the next couple seasons seasons is who is drake london who is drake london was it worth it to bypass all this great defensive line talent or offensive line talent to go get a receiver at this stage of where the team is in terms of its rebuild that's going to define fontenot's career that move. If Drake London comes out and he's a 1,500-yard receiver, 10-touchdown guy every year, Godspeed, hats off, yep. great job. If he sucks or, you know, or the team around him sucks to the point where he can't do anything, Fontenot will be to blame. And I'll go on record saying we talked about Marcelo Zuna, right, staying him. It's like, given what we know was the right move. To me, this was the wrong move to draft Drake London. It's nothing against him. But I just think where the team was, it was not the right move. But Fontenot's career will be defined by this to me. I guess it worked out with Julio Jones. Oh, totally. Kind of similar thing. Julio was an absolute... But it wasn't. We drafted Julio when we had a good team. We had... We were going to the playoffs. Right. You know, we like... It was like the next step. And it almost yielded what we But there were edge rushers out there as well. Correct. Like, did you have to really give up six um, draft picks to go get Julio Jones? We already had a really good team? Maybe not. Maybe you should have fortified the trenches a little bit. You're a trench man. I'm a trench man. That's how you win. How did the Chargers win? I look excited to watch the Chargers, trenches the Rams. I am very excited to watch the trenches. I think the D-line is going to be better than you think it's going to be. Um, I hope I hope you are right. I, 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 don't, I think we'll probably get 20 sacks this year. I think it's going to be another one of those seasons, unfortunately. But we'll, we'll just have to see. But what do you think about my, my, uh, my uh, London take? I think that – I mean, that's reasonable. Like, I mean, no. first-round draft pick, you don't get those every day. No. Don't want to waste him. But I, I think the floor on him is pretty high. Yeah, I would agree. I don't think he's going to be a bust. No, but even if he isn't, if he's not a stud and the team around him sucks, it's like, what was the point? And there were so many other wide receivers that you could have gotten could later. Have taken. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it, it's it's it's, there, uh, it's a hell of a gambit. Yeah. A lot of people are squawking about that Georgia guy, George Pickett, who I think, yeah. I don't remember if he was a second or third round pick. But he's just looking like an absolute beast. So yeah, like you could have gotten you could have that guy later. It was kind of the shiny car that you wanted to get now before you have a house to drive it into. It's kind of how I viewed it. Yeah. But yeah. you know, what's done is done. We'll see what happens. That's your uh, it's your Falcons twenty twenty two season preview. And now we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our friends from Raycon and DraftKings. And we'll see you on the other side for some Braves updates after that. You know, Adam. Lately, I've been listening to a lot of Bob Dylan, and it's been great. One reason that it's been great to listen to is not only because Bob Dylan's the greatest songwriter of all time, but because I use my Raycon wireless earbuds to listen to him. 
Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever with optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit. These earbuds are so comfortable, and they will not budge. Raycons gives you eight hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. Raycons are priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycons everyday earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. A couple other things I like about these earbuds, Adam, Raycon earbuds, is noise isolation. It always sucks when you're listening to something, but the outside world is getting in your earbuds. You switch on your noise isolation mode. It's like you're in the song, man. And then you also got earbud tap functions. You don't have to pull out your phone to skip a song or uh, turn up and down the volume. You can do it all with earbud tap functions, Raycon pause, play, fast forward, etc. Skip a song. It's good stuff. So if you want in on the great sound of Raycon earbuds, go to buyraycon.com slash TPPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash TPPN to score 15% off. Football fans, the first Sunday of the NFL season is here. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. As an added bonus for Week 1, Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. It's simple. Bet on an NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly. Even if your team loses. So here's what you got to do. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TPPN to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet this Sunday. That's code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Adam, do you know what time it is? Time to talk about the Atlanta Braves. Of course, but it's also time to win the NL East. The lead is down to one game, Adam, as of today. What was it at one point, like 12 and a half? Twelve and a half, and it was like ten and a half. Then we got it down to like two and a half, then back up to six. Now it feels like it's inevitable that we're going to eventually overtake the Mets. It's like they keep holding us off. We keep getting closer and closer. We keep getting like to four, to three, back to four, to two. Now it's like now it's to one. And they've lost two. They lost two or three to Washington this weekend, which was very helpful. Thank you, Nationals. Never thought I'd say that. The Braves are looking good at them. The pitching staff, in particular. I think is one of the strongest in baseball right now with Strider, Freed, Wright. And Charlie Morton's doing a good job too, but especially those first three, you feel extremely confident every time you go out onto the field with any of them taking the bump. Bryce Elder had another good spot start over the weekend too for uh, Rizzi, but I'm not really putting him. He's not a factor to me right now. Those three and four with Morton are, the, are like, you feel good going into the postseason with those guys. Yeah, either one of them. It's it's unbelievable. Of course, you know we'll start with a another Strider love fest. The sixteen strikeout game last Thursday Holy was Christ. just ridiculous. Yeah, what a like. I was I was doing some work during that game, and every time I looked up, he was striking a dude out. It was. Eight he's, he's just dominant, man. Yeah, eight innings through like one hundred three pitches to get through it all. Yeah, nothing but fastballs and sliders. Yeah, he didn't really throw the the change. He really just. Absolutely massacred the uh, Rockies. 79 strikes on 106 pitches. Um, 
I think 20 of his fastballs were like 99 or higher. I mean, if he really does develop that changeup, he'll be he'll be unstoppable. He'll be unstoppable. The offense like the Rockies isn't great this year, but it takes away nothing from what he what he's doing. Um, and he's pitched well against quality opponents too. But it's great to see him have this just absolutely dominant performance. Um, I mean, yeah, he unreal. set the Atlanta Atlanta franchise record for strikeouts. Yeah, passing John Smoltz. Passing Smoltz. So that's a huge. So if you're honor. doing that as a rookie, yeah, you might you might be pretty good. You still want to send him back to the bullpen like you wanted? I've admitted I was wrong on that one. I, know, I think a lot of people had my same take, and hopefully everyone else is as humble as I am and can say they were wrong. Yeah, I have no issues admitting fault when I'm wrong. I'm glad to hear that because I heard uh, through the grapevine <laughs> that Uh-oh. some people were still saying like, oh, no, you got to put him back in the bullpen. I mean, look how great he is. Like, the bullpen kind of needs help. Shouldn't you put him back in the bullpen? It's like, no. You want a guy like that taking taking this. Because, like, you use a guy like Strider, right? And you want to use him probably in multiple innings. He's still probably only going to pitch every three, four, five days anyway. So, might as well start him. Yeah, I mean, unless he's like your actual closer. Right. But... No, because at, at this point, like, I mean, the, the whole reason that I had that opinion to keep him in the bullpen was because we didn't know how his arm was going to react to pitching this much sure, in a year. But he looks fine. He's getting stronger. Yeah, no, he's getting anything. better. If any, yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, So, you know, his, his crazy, you know, workout and stretching rendition is obviously doing something for him. And uh, he's a guy that takes care of his body and knows his own body. So if, if he's good to go. I'm good with it. Sure. And I think that's one thing I, I admire about the Braves organization is their sort of, you know, their, their ability to say, you know what, we're not just going to blanket say every rookie pitcher or second year pitcher has an innings limit or a pitch count or whatever. It's evaluating guys on a, you know, guy by guy basis because everybody's different. Not everybody needs the same sort of strictures. Uh, some people can be unleashed, like, like just monitor it, talk to them, figure it out. Don't just say, Hey, because we think this, you should do it. Like, screw you as an individual. That's what ruined Strasburg that one year. Well, and it's also just like building a culture where guys are comfortable, like actually admitting if they're hurting, which I think is a big problem all the time. Right. But like, obviously, we've we've heard about Acuna and his knee and all the issues he's having. Oh yeah. And he is saying, look, it hurts a lot. Yeah. So he's not just like blindly playing through it. I mean, he is playing through a bunch of pain, but he's also getting his rest now. He's DH again. More. Yeah. So it's it's the the culture is kind of established that, hey man, if you're hurting, you don't need to push it. We've got other guys that we can bring up. Like having a guy like Bryce Elder Great. and Kyle Muller and Gwinnett who can come in and you know win two ball games for you is fantastic. That's awesome depth. Yeah, absolutely huge. And the Braves embark on a West Coast trip right now. Took care of uh, Colorado uh, took care of the Marlins as they should have. Um, and not even like in stunning fashion. They just kicked the Marlins' ass all over the place, um, particularly that uh, that Friday night game. It was just – if you're a Marlins fan, which has been just absolutely brutal to watch because, um, like, we hit, like, five home runs off of Alcantara, one eight to 8-1. And – I mean, that was a really good showing because I always love it when the Braves do well against quality pitching because then that bodes well for the playoffs. Like, Alcantara's having a Cy Young-type season. has been excellent all year. And we just crushed him. Absolutely crushed him. Austin Riley got in on it. Darno hit two home runs. I mean, it was, it was fantastic. 
Um, won a close game on Saturday night, two to one, and then just blew them out again on Sunday. So Braves are looking good, and they go on a West Coast road trip now, where they face Oakland, the Mariners, and the Giants before coming back home to play Philly uh, next week. So really, the only team you got to worry about on this West Coast trip—not to overlook anybody—but the team you really have to to look out for is Seattle. Seattle's having a really good season. They have one of the best uh, overall pitching staffs in baseball from the rotation through the bullpen. So that'll be a good series. But Oakland and San Francisco, you should absolutely take care of. That should be no problem. Hopefully. Always a little weird going on the West Coast. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, we've had some good trips out there earlier this year as well. But, uh, yeah, man. Yeah, the, the Mets losing that series to the Nationals was completely unexpected. Like, last week at this time when we lost that – we lost that Tuesday game to the Rockies, that which was just like a really weird one for us to lose with yeah. Max Freed on the bump. And then the Mets take care of the Dodgers two out of three. Yeah. At that point, I'm like, oh, we they might, they be, might they, actually run they away might have with this. this yeah. And then, uh, you know, we get right back in. Win, win, what, like five in a row after that? Yeah. I think we have the best record in majors since June 1st. Yeah, that is correct. As of a couple of days ago, I saw that stat too. I was watching the game. Um, but one thing we need to talk about, Adam, is Kenley Jansen. Not looking good since August. Um, he's blown two saves uh, from August through September, which isn't a lot. But his ERA has risen from 3.57 to 3.75. He's not getting a lot of clean innings. Um, not striking anybody not out. Not striking anyone out. Um, walking a lot of guys. I mean, that game against St. Louis that we lost, that we shouldn't have lost. We should have swept the Cardinals. That that series pissed me that off. That one really hurt, yeah. That really hurt. We won the first game, stunning fashion, and then they just came back on us. I mean, give them credit, but our bullpen really just blew up, and particularly Jansen on that Saturday night game. Third of an inning, two hits, two runs given up, two earned runs, two walks. Um, and it was just awful. He could. It was, a, it was a walk-off walk. He could not, for the life of him, throw a strike. And his location, his control, all of it was um, – like, he just doesn't look right. like his delivery. Something's weird with his. And I can't tell if he's releasing the ball too high, and that's why these balls are going so high on him. But yeah, his velocity seems down. Location's wild. He's becoming a problem. If he doesn't figure this out in the next, like, week or so, like, by the time the Phillies series comes around, if he doesn't have his shit together, Iglesias should be made the closer, I think. Well, Jansen has said as much. He was pretty candid in an interview that I saw of him where he's like, my mechanics are just out of whack right now. It looks like he's it. He's like, I, this has happened before. I just need to figure it out. But, you know, his, if his cutter's not cutting. It's just sitting there. That's a problem. It's like a changeup. And, and, like, he's not the big strikeout guy he used to be. So that's, you know, he's got – He's got to beat them on the deception of that cut, cutter. Um, but, yeah, no, it's certainly a problem. You know, I was I was out of, out of town this weekend, so I didn't actually watch a lot of these games. But I, I checked in on that box score on Saturday and saw the Braves 1-2-1. I say, sweet. And then I was like, damn it, Jansen? Yeah, it happened again. again? Yeah. And not like, ju- it's, it's like literally within, you know, two more appearances. And it's frustrating. Like, he had – you know, back-to-back bad appearances with St. Louis and then the Rockies. Even that game, we won 3-2. to two. He still gave up a home run um, and uh, another walk. It's just the walks, really, that are just killing me. Like, it, it's like, that's the worst way to lose is a walk-off walk. It's just like you just blew your own head off kind of thing. It's just it's just it's, it's entirely avoidable. Which is, which is ironic since we 
that Saturday game was a walk-off was walk a walk for off us. Walk. Yeah, I mean, so it's, thank, it's, thank it's, you, thank you again to the Marlins for that. Yeah, it's unsatisfying. It's like one of the most deflating feelings you can have um, as a team when it when it happens when you are the one who commits the crime. Right, right. Um, so no, it, it, very fortunate that Anthopolis had the the foresight to go out and get Iglesias, kind of just like as backup in case Jansen doesn't work out. I think Will Smith's actually throwing okay for the Astros. He's got a five forty ERA with the Astros, so. So he must have had a couple bad appearances I guess recently. So. <laughs> I know he had like a, a really bad one to begin with, but then I, I'd see as like okay, he's got a number of scoreless innings in a row. But either way, I don't think Will Smith would be the answer right now no. either. But you gotta love also that uh, Jesse Chavez is back. Jesse Chavez returns, um, for, and he pitched second. really well. Um, I can't remember if that was Sunday. Yeah, it was Sunday. Yeah, it was after Pit- Freed had to come out early because yeah, of rain. Because of rain. Yeah, um, pitched really well. It was great to see him back. Um, he's a guy that we're probably gonna lean on maybe more than you would think. Because the thing I get kind of worried about, Adam, is this bullpen. Like, who are your big three horses? You know, last year we had Smith, Matzik, Minner. To me this year, it's Iglesias, Minner, and McHugh. But I don't think we can really rely on Tyler Matzik to be the guy. I mean, I watched him the other night. It was against uh, St. Louis, and they really roughed him up. And it was just like, man, he just doesn't have that sort of blow it by a fastball. Like, his fastball velocity seems down. The movement on the pitches, the off-speed stuff isn't as good as it was. It's McHugh. It's Minter. It's Iglesias. Those are the guys that I feel like we can rely on right now. McHugh's really had an outstanding season. You sure season. as hell hope Jansen gets on that list. I would love to have Jansen on the list, but I can't put him there right now considering the performance. Like, like Minter proved that he could rebound from a rough rough month, and Jansen has the track record. I mean, he leads baseball in uh, you know, saves in terms of being an active player right since 2012, which is great. I know it's like since 2012, but it's like you know he's a good pitcher. He also almost has like 30 saves this year, so he hasn't been like trash the whole season. He goes through these kind of spells where things aren't working – but he's it's, he's picking the wrong time to do it, and you don't want him to have one of those spells in the playoffs. It's just kind of scary now that we're getting closer to the playoffs, and he's still going through this, and it's the worst it's been all season. Yeah, I mean, cause, yeah, because Dylan Lee has fallen off a little bit from what he was as well. He's still solid though. Like I, I still think he could give you something. Yeah, um, Kirby Yates has not given us what we thought he would at all. No, I remember you were very high on. I Kirby mean, I Yates. still am. Like I, I was just I, like, man, he hasn't pitched in a while. I saw he had a scoreless inning the other day. Like maybe he's he's still got a month to figure it out. Yeah, and hopefully be a factor. Yeah, like it would be great if Jansen can get back. And uh, same with Matzik. Like if Jansen and Matzik can be who we know they can be. That's a stacked bullpen, but now it's looking mighty thin. But you're right, though. It's nice to have Chavez back. Huge to have Chavez back because he could be a big factor, but now it's looking a little thin where it's just Mentor, uh, McHugh, Iglesias as the only guys you can really, really rely on night in, night out to give you a consistent performance. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out as the playoffs go on. I mean, I still think Soroka is going to be a factor at some point here. Like, he four scoreless innings in Gwinnett the other day, five strikeouts. Yeah, no, it's good. Like, he could be in that mix. Yeah. Who the hell knows? Who the hell knows? I mean, like, that's the great thing about where the Braves are right now, that even though we, we have some issues with striking out a lot and we have some issues in the bullpen, reinforcements could still be coming in the form of meaningful players such as Ozzy Albies, such as Mike Soroka. Like, Ozzy's already starting a rehab assignment. He's hopefully going to be back in, like, the next week or so, if not a little later. But getting Ozzy Albies back is going to be absolutely massive. Huge. We've loved what Vaughn Grissom has done for us to keep us going. 
You know, he's kind of slowed down a little bit the last yeah. week or two. Yeah, which is to be expected. He's not going to hit 380 the whole year. Right. But, you know, Ozzy is a proven commodity. Yeah. And a leader. Right. A guy we want there. So, you know, there's the reports are kind of like coming in that they have seen both. This is like the media, like before games, seeing Von Grissom uh, and Contreras both working out in left field. Because mm-hmm. like now that Acuna's having a DH a lot more, Ozuna's played three games in a row again, you know? Yeah. Which isn't what we want. Granted, he had a homer the other day. Yeah. And he's actually looked, he's hitting the ball harder since more consistently since coming back from his, his benching. Uh-oh. Which is good. So are you you're coming back from your statement from a couple no, weeks ago? No, absolutely not. I still don't think he's like a viable MLB player. I no, I don't think said. he's going to be consistent. But it's been, I guess, a little encouraging to see. But yeah, no, I, you know, Von Grissom isn't going anywhere. He's going to be in the lineup in one way or one shape or form. Um, so, I mean, I feel like it's interesting, though, that they are going to, they're saying, hey, you, there's really no choice. You got to start taking outfield reps. You just wonder what that's going to do when the playoffs comes around and, and Ozzy's there. Because now you can't really, like you're saying, with Acuna DHing more, he'll probably also DH in the playoffs, potentially. Unless, because like he said, like you said, his knee is screwed. So you can't really stick him out there that often. And that hurts your defense considerably. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he, he very openly, and ser- I guess he was serious about it and just said, what do you say? Like my knee sucks. It's like it's terrible. Yeah, yeah. It's then he kind of smiled afterwards. Yeah, but still, that's yeah. It's not. It's not fantastic. It's. I mean, it's a bit of a lull because it's like Grossman slowed down. Rosario's still hitting below two hundred. Right. Yeah. Grossman's really slowed down. He's not playing every day anymore. Um. So. So I mean, there is a problem there a little bit. Yeah. So I mean, having having Acuna DH that takes away that Contreras DHing option. Yeah. Unless he's in left field, but I think you I think I don't think you can. Do no, that. I mean Grissom, I could see being a fine left fielder. Yeah, maybe, but we have just nothing to base that off of. Right. We could see it, we can imagine it all we want, but until we actually like, you know, get out and see him out there, we'll just never know. But, but that's really the only question mark on our team right now, overall. Yeah, we're in a pretty good spot. Yeah, and Acuna has gotten better though, even though his knee has been bad. He did have a really good August, slashing three sixteen four hundred four and slug four seventy four. Only hit three home runs, but it was good to see him start getting it going a little, you know, more offensively. Do, not trying to kill the ball as much either um, was appreciated because he started like taking the ball the other way, just getting on base. Um, you know, he's he's not. He's not the Ronald Acuna that we wanted him to be this year, but he's still finding a way to be, um, you know, extremely valuable to the Braves. Yeah, for sure. So it's good to see. Um, you know, those are the main things going on with the Braves right now. It's sort of just steady on until we because like the Mets, um, the Mets schedule is super easy now. But of course, they just lost two or three to the Nationals. But now that could be like a wake up call for them. That though. could be like, a wake up call, and to, we, we've we've seen that they are a mentally tough team with Buck Showalter running the running the show over there. Although, keep in mind, Scherzer missing time because of a dead like. Well, I don't think it's an arm, something with a lat or something. But yeah. My, but my prediction was that not both him and Degrom will be healthy come playoff time. It's entirely possible that that could happen. Um, although, I guess if you're going to get hurt, now's the time to do it. But yeah, I uh, I'm really looking forward to this last series against the Mets at the end of the end of September through early October. 
absolute showdown. Mets are currently losing two to four to the Pirates. <laughs> Hopefully they're just in like tailspin. In, in the eighth inning. Oh my god! <clears throat> yep. I would love if they just imploded, but I just don't see that happening. I've seen too much of them this year, but we all know there are plenty of teams that had that September swoon. Braves have done it. Mets have done it. Phillies have done it. Everyone's done it at one point or another. Where you just blow a huge lead. Not that they, like we we've cut into their lead significantly, but like where you just fall off the face of the map in September for some reason. Well, you got the hottest team in baseball on your back as well. Yes, like, like they, they we're not going us. anywhere. Yeah, and especially when we beat them in that last series, that was a, a three of four. That was a big statement. That that oh, really yeah. yeah that saved the the season in terms of winning the potentially winning the division. You lose that series, it, it's it's over. Yep. So, um. Yeah, that's about all I got with uh, the Braves and unless you have anything else you want to focus on. I guess we should say Kyle Wright, incredible. <clears throat> yeah, he he's kind of – it's crazy a guy with 17 wins and like a sub-3 ERA isn't being talked about as much as he should, but he's probably like top five Cy Young candidates right now. Sure. But he just gets outshined by Strider and Freed. Right, because like, he's not – he doesn't – he's not as flashy as those guys. No. Especially Strider. Strider's just like flamboyance isn't the right word, but maybe it is. It's like he like spins around, and he strikes somebody out, <clears throat> he throws a hundred miles an hour yeah. all the time. You know, he's just he's out there. He's more overt. But Kyle Wright, I mean, you could argue that damn August was his best best month. I mean, two five three ERA, um, thirty strikeouts to seven walks, held opponents to a two twenty um, batting average against him. Just, just wonderful. I mean, just absolutely stellar outing after outing, consistent, absolutely consistent. I mean, can't say enough good things about the guy. And you know, what was also great is he rebounded from this dead arm that he had, which gives me confidence going into the uh, into the playoffs. That hopefully he's gotten over that, and he's ready to just rock and roll. Yeah, it's seeming like dead arm is just going to be what they say when they want to give a guy a day off because that's what they did with Odorizzi as well. Right. Right. Um, so, I, I, it must not have been anything that serious. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's September. Right. Late August. And if he needs to skip a start going down the stretch, so be it. Like, Let, let everyone skip a start. Yeah. It's like, fine. Just be, just be ready for this upcoming. We have two big series against the Phillies, sandwiched between two series against Washington. Everybody must be ready for that Mets series. Everybody must be on deck and ready to – you got to go all out to win the division. Because last thing I want to do – is play a wild card series against the Phillies, and then if you win that, go to Los Angeles. Like, no, not interested. Yeah. Not interested at all. Got to get that second seed. And it doesn't really matter if you win the division anymore, Adam. It matters if you're a top two seed because even at, like the like the third division winner who doesn't have as good records as the first oh, two has to play, has to play in that wild card weekend. So it yeah. doesn't really matter about the division anymore. It matters about being the best in the league at this point. Right, winning your division and also having a top two record, so which we would, yes, if we win the division. So gotta win the division. Do not want to play the Dodgers. I only want to play the Dodgers when I absolutely have to for hopefully a chance to go to the World Series. Yeah, and I want all my starters like fresh, and, fresh. Yeah. yeah, you don't want to blow out Strider and Wright and and Freed, and then it's like okay. I mean, Charlie Morton's game when starts fine, but it's like rather have uh, one of those other three doing it. Yep. So. All right, folks, I think that's it for this week. Uh, We thank you guys for listening, and we will see you all again next week with hopefully good news about the Falcons 
and the Braves in their West Coast trip. Uh, until then, I hope you guys are doing well. We'll see you next time. Rise up, chop on, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitality soup. Hospitality soup.